Some chapters in this novel involve graphic depictions of sexual assault and abuse. If you or anyone you know need help, please contact RAIN, the National Sexual Assault Telephone Hotline. 800-656-HOPE. HOPE is 4673. More information can be found at www.rain.org. That's R-A-I-N-N.org. This novel is not endorsed by or affiliated with RAIN, but they are doing amazing work every day for survivors and offer a multitude of useful resources. No one deserves to suffer in silence. No one should ever be ignored. Darker Days of Dorothy Gale Chapter 55 Chad and Miles The Ninth Grade Ending on Friday, May 23, 2014 Sterling, Kansas Dorothy met Chad in the ninth grade. For a brief time, she had never felt more safe with anyone else than she did with him. He was new to the school that year, and they became fast friends. He was sweet, and he was charming. And for a ninth grader, Dorothy found him to be devilishly handsome. They liked to walk and talk. They flirted with each other a lot, though the flirtations never amounted to anything. They never dated. They never kissed. They never even held hands. They were, however, best friends. They had similar tastes in movies, though Chad veered more toward dramas, which Dorothy found somewhat strange for a boy his age. And Dorothy veered more toward horror, which Chad thought was strange for a girl her age. Their tastes in music were similar as well. They both had a strange affection for The Cure and Depeche Mode. There were others in that list as well, but to continue that would be nothing more than a stalling tactic. A blatant attempt to keep this chapter from its inevitable forward motion, leading to its inevitable ending. Dorothy often wondered if they would have been so close had it not been for the suicide of Amelia earlier that year. If she had a true friend in school, not just a gaping hole where one used to be. Chad had the looks of a young Aaron Paul. He was shorter his hair was longer and more unruly, and slight spots of acne broke out across his face here and there. He was, after all, a fourteen-year-old boy. Given the proper circumstances, however, Dorothy always thought that in the right light he could be mistaken for the Breaking Bad star, or, at the very least, be confused for a relative of his. 
Either way, Dorothy found him to be nothing short of dreamy. Chad's best friend was Dorothy. Well, his best female friend was Dorothy. His best male friend was Miles. Miles was two grades above them. He was tall. He was lanky. He was ugly. He had a goofy bowl-cut hairstyle that parted slightly in the middle. For the most part, his hair covered his eyes, making it difficult to know who or what he was looking at. He had a big mouth, fully stocked with big teeth, two of which were distractingly large buck teeth front and center. Dorothy could not stand Miles. She felt uneasy around him. He made strange, racist jokes that she felt were more than just jokes. He made offhand sexual remarks to her that were always followed by a sick chuckle. Whenever Dorothy mentioned her unease to Chad, however, he would simply brush it off with the words, That's just how he is. He doesn't mean anything by it. But Dorothy always felt he did mean something by his comments. This was the one area in her friendship with Chad that irked her the most. His refusal to listen to her concerns about his other friend. She was his friend. Long before Miles even entered the picture. She deserved more than just a shrug and disbelief. Dorothy avoided Miles like the plague, but since he was older and able to drive, his company was occasionally inevitable. From time to time, the three of them would go to the movies together in the next town over, as neither Chad nor Dorothy had a driver's license. The drives were the worst. He almost always smoked, and not always tobacco and he almost always drank, and never soda. Miles was the kind of douchebag that absolutely refused to wear a seatbelt in the car. He chose not to use a seatbelt, not because he felt they were uncomfortable or somehow unnecessary, but because he thought he was somehow better than the rest of the world. Ain't nothing gonna hold me down. <laughs> Nothing gonna hold me in, he always said. Every car ride began with this idiotic proclamation, and every ride was therefore inundated by an annoying beeping sound every few minutes, alerting them that the idiot behind the wheel of the car was just that. An idiot. As far as Dorothy knew, Chad never partook in any of these actions. She never saw him smoke anything anyway, and she certainly never saw him drink anything but Coke and occasionally water. She never saw him drunk, and he never told stories of being drunk, but she never asked either. He was also far too irritable to put up with the annoyance of a beeping sound for a seatbelt. It was a Schrodinger's cat situation. 
if she did not ask about that part of his life, and he did not talk about it, it simply did not exist, or never happened. On the last day of school, May 23, 2014, Dorothy wanted to go see the new Godzilla movie. Chad and Miles, on the other hand, had other plans. Miles's parents were going to be out of town, which of course meant that he would be having a party. Dorothy knew the party would be a raucous event. She knew most of the people there would be older than her, probably older than Miles as well. There would be alcohol, and there would most definitely be drugs. Knowing the types of people that would be in attendance, there would almost certainly be sex. There might even be a little bit of violence as well, though not necessarily combined. But as you will come to find out soon enough, sometimes the combination of the two just seems inevitable. Dorothy went to the party at the behest of Chad, on the promise that they, just the two of them, would go to the movie on Saturday, maybe even Sunday. It was the summer, after all. They had no schoolwork or early curfew to contend with. Dorothy reluctantly accepted the deal. Miles picked the two up from the local library around seven o'clock and drove them out to his parents' large country house, where the party was already well underway. Dorothy did not have to worry about being home at any specific time. She told M and Henry that she would be staying at a friend's house. They did not inquire about which friend it was. Had they been a little more involved, they would have known that Dorothy only had one friend. And that was Chad. Had they been any more involved, they would have simply said no to the suggestion of a party let alone spending the night at a boy's house. Chad had no worries of being home at any specific time either. He told his parents he was going out with Dorothy and Miles, and that Miles would drive them home later. Chad's parents were the kind of people that did not believe in stifling their child's adolescence by enforcing too many rules which basically meant he was free to stay out as late as he wanted, with whoever he wanted. Simply put, they had far too much trust in him. They had no fears of the dangers of Miles, as he had always been a perfect gentleman around them. A good influence, that boy, Dorothy once heard Chad's father remark on Miles. It's so nice to see that not all the older kids are sex-crazed booze hounds or druggies, she heard his mother remark in response. Throughout the course of the year, Dorothy had fallen in love with Chad. Her little teenage heart skipped a beat every time he entered the room, or every time he called her. Once, their hands accidentally touched one another's, and the two of them drew away from each other in childish embarrassment, causing Dorothy to blush and giggle, causing Chad to grow a slight erection. Tonight, after the party, 
after Chad returned home, after he snuck Dorothy into his house, into his room. Dorothy would tell him how she felt. And after the declaration of her love, the two of them would become best friends in a different sense. They would become connected in a way that made all the pain and sadness of her life disappear. They would find safety in one another's embrace. They would find love. They would find happiness. Dorothy would, anyway. And all she could do was hope that it would be the same for Chad. Hours passed and Dorothy found herself alone. Chad promised her he would not leave her side. But she knew the promise would only be kept until he found something else of interest to him. After an hour of sitting quietly in a desolate corner of the living room, Dorothy decided it was time to find her friend. She drifted around the house in search of him meandering through menial conversations, held by boys and girls, men and women, each with their own red cup full of beer. Beer tapped from a large keg in the kitchen, supplied by a local college student. She never understood the significance of red cups a silly little symbol that would forever be associated with drunkenness and fun. Why a red cup, she wondered. Why not blue? Why not green? The voice in her head often rambled when she grew uncomfortable with something, a way to fill the obstinate gaps between words, an attempt to make herself feel less socially awkward on the inside even if she did not look less socially awkward on the outside. Bringing herself back to reality, her bottle of water, which she brought herself in hand, she decided to refocus her attention on finding Chad. As she wandered through the large house, she avoided eye contact with everyone in the kitchen, where a drinking contest was in its early stages. She inadvertently made her way to the garage. She did not know the door led to the garage when she opened it. Upon seeing an old car parked inside, rocking back and forth, with the muffled sounds of euphoric pleasure emanating through the glass of the windows, she quickly turned back, being sure to close the door behind her. She did not want to walk through the kitchen again, but going through the garage was not an option. With each step growing more rushed and her body growing more panicked, she made her way around to the back of the house. There was a small fire burning in a stone pit. A few people were gathered around it, drinking and laughing loudly. Dorothy wanted no part of whatever was going on out here. She hated fire. She hated smelling like smoke. More than that, she hated the potential of being burned. Something about that. Something about fire. She just hated it. 
She especially hated thinking about the keepers of these flames, being the kinds of people that would come to a party held at the house of a miner, for the sole purpose of getting wasted. She quickly left the fire behind and went around to the front of the house. She walked through the living room, where a group of college students, or at least college-aged people, were lounging on the couch. On the coffee table in front of them sat a large green bong. They were all taking turns, puffing smoke in failed attempts to make smoke rings. They all playfully yelled at Dorothy as she stepped in front of the TV, which was showing an infomercial for some sort of exercise contraption. Hey, down in front, said one of the men. Yeah, babe, said one of the women. You gotta, you gotta move or groove or something if you're, if you're gonna be standing there. Have you seen Chad? Dorothy asked. Who's Chad? replied another man. He's probably with Dave, replied another man with a laugh, and everyone in the room was prompted to speak in unison. And Dave's not here, man! Which in turn caused them all to erupt in laughter, though none of them knew the real basis of the joke. I should have known better, said Dorothy as she continued her search elsewhere. She made her way up a dark set of stairs. The upstairs of the house was surprisingly small. It was made up of a small landing to the right of the staircase, and a small hallway on the left. To the right was three doors. The hallway to the left, which carried with it a strange foreboding feeling, had only one door, situated at the very end. This was Miles's room. Dorothy had no interest in going down the darkened hall. She instead opened the three doors on the right of the staircase first. She desperately hoped that if Chad was up here, he would be in one of these rooms. No such luck. The first room was empty. The second had a couple kids from her class making out on the bed. They were too self-involved to notice Dorothy standing in the doorway. The third door was locked. She turned back to the stairs and took one step down before drawing a deep breath. <sighs> if I don't check Miles' room, that's where he'll be, Dorothy said to herself, turning back up. Probably looking at porn or something in there, she mumbled. It seemed like something Miles would do. Not so much Chad, but Miles. If Chad happened to be around, well, then, what teenage boy wouldn't accept the offer to look at slutty naked women doing slutty naked woman things? She walked down the hallway and placed her hand to the doorknob. She slowly turned it, causing the mechanism inside to retract with a slight squeak before allowing her to open it. Cautiously, she leaned in to push the door open when she heard something behind her. She jumped at the sound and even screamed a little. She turned around to see Miles standing in the hallway. 
a silhouette of his lanky frame in the faint light of the upstairs fixtures. Dorothy stepped back and looked at him, watching cautiously as he looked her up and down. She could not see his face in the hallway's darkness, but she knew exactly what he looked like. I bet you'd be a fighter, Miles said, the stench of alcohol heavy on his breath, and his words slurred and running together. You seem like you'd be a fighter. <laughs> it's okay, it's okay. I can take a beating, you know. Comes with the territory. If you knew my old man, you would know I can take a beating. <laughs> Dorothy was beginning to feel even more uneasy than usual. She had seen Miles drunk, but never like this. Predatory. She had an idea of what he was capable of when he was sober. But this level of intoxication added a completely new and ominous layer to him. A new level of unpredictability. Fear was beginning to set in. It was beginning to pile up in the pit of her stomach. It was beginning to coat her lungs, making it harder to breathe. It filled her heart with a new, yet familiar pressure. As though it could not slow down, though she desperately wanted it to. Images of Henry flashed through her mind. Images of Mr. Stoltz and what she imagined he did to Amelia. Now, images of Miles. So, he asked as he moved in closer, with a drunken swagger in his step. <laughs> Can you take a beating? The floorboards creaked beneath his heavy work boots. Dorothy quickly lunged to his right, but found her path blocked by his strangely quick reflexes as he raised a bony arm to the wall. Dorothy stepped back and took a second to contemplate her next move. She lunged to his left with the same results. This time, she did not step back. Let me go, she said sternly, holding her ground, refusing to show any kind of fear. Miles only smiled and took the moment in, almost reveling in it, savoring it. Let me go, she repeated, this time quietly. The fear was beginning to creep out of her now, and it could not only be heard in the sound of her voice, but it could be seen in her eyes and in the slight tremble that overtook her body. <laughs> I'll let you go. I'll let you go when I'm done. When we're done, Dorothy Gale. As he spoke her name, the smell of the alcohol on his hot breath seemed especially pungent and thick, 
as its heat forced its way into her nose and mouth. Dorothy stepped back once more. Miles was wrong. She was not a fighter. She had never been a fighter, and that's why she was no longer a virgin. That's why Amelia Driscoll was dead. Because she felt unable to stand up for herself. She felt weak. Without warning, Miles placed two quick hands on Dorothy's shoulders and brought her stomach down to his right knee. Applause broke out downstairs as someone in the kitchen poured another drink down their throat. Miles and Dorothy both heard it. Miles smiled as he let go of his victim, allowing her to fall to her knees, pretending the applause was meant for him and his impending victory. As Dorothy gasped and wheezed, Miles knelt and looked her in the eyes. Where's that fight? he asked with a smile. Dorothy's emerald eyes showed no sign of fight or anger in them. Only raw, unhindered fear. Afraid, said Miles calmly. <laughs> I guess I misjudged you. That's okay. That's okay. Fear makes just as good a fuck as anger. He stood her up on her feet and pushed her through the door, which had not been latched closed. He pushed her through his room until she fell backward onto his bed. Still cringing in pain from the first hit, still gasping for air, she found herself paralyzed. While her mind was telling her to get up and run, all her body could do was curl up into a ball and cry. Miles laughed at the sight before turning back to his bedroom door and closing it. The sound of the mechanism latching in its place was thunderous to Dorothy, and the sound of the heavy lock on the door clicking as it turned was deafening. He jumped onto the bed. Straddling Dorothy, he placed a hand firmly around her neck. <laughs> you see... The trick is, don't hit him in the face. Don't hit him in the face. Because if you hit him in the face, they can't hide that. His grip on her neck loosened, as his free hand balled up and formed a tight fist that he brought down into her ribcage with such force it knocked the wind out of her again. Right there, however, <laughs> ain't no one going to see that. Not unless you show them. And let's face it, little girls like you don't show and tell. Because little girls like you are smart. You know that I'm not going anywhere. And you know that if I can do this, once, I can do this twice. He unclenched his fist before letting go of her neck completely. 
He placed a sweaty hand over her face and pressed her head into the dirty mattress. Besides, no one will believe you anyway. <laughs> no, no, no one will believe you. He leaned in and whispered into her ears. Because I'm just sweet little Miles. He raised himself back up by pressing Dorothy's head down further. Tricked by some college kid into throwing a party while his parents were out of town. Hell, I'm not even raping you right now. Some college guy is. I can't remember exactly what he looked like, but I saw you heading upstairs with him when you couldn't find Chad. I tried to stop him, but he punched me in the face. It was, it was it hurt a lot, actually. With his greasy hand smelling of stale cigarettes and cheap cologne, he continued to press Dorothy's head down. He clenched his fingers lightly as he dragged them down. He made a sickly dramatic frown as he laughed at his victim as he stretched the skin of her face with his fingertips, morphing her from pretty young woman to monstrous deformity. Like using stretchy putty to pick up a face from a newspaper, only to pull and distort it. He balled his hand into another tight fist and swung it. Dorothy cringed, but this time she felt no pain. She opened her eyes, just in time to see Miles pulling his fist from his left eye. Hoo-hoo! He exclaimed. That is going to leave a mark. <laughs> or, or at least that's, that's the idea, anyway. He laughed again as he landed another punch into Dorothy's other side. He climbed off of her as she curled back up and cried. Wheezy, exasperated cries. Miles stared at her as he undid his belt. He pulled it from his pants before letting them fall to the ground along with his underwear. He climbed back on top of her and brought her hands together over her head. She struggled to keep her hands apart, but was overpowered. He looped the belt around her wrists and secured it. It was not so tight that it would leave a mark, but it was tight enough that she could not break free of its bondage. He moved down the bed, Dorothy bucking and kicking as he unbuttoned her jeans. In the struggle, she managed to hit his nose with her knee. He just laughed and shrugged it off. Once Miles got Dorothy undressed from the waist down, he balled up her panties and shoved them into her mouth. Yeah, I've had girls like you before. And you know what the best part about girls like you is? It's that you're so... Dorothy blacked out. She never heard the rest of the sentence, though she oftentimes wondered what the rest of it was. She was so... So... What? In the darkness, Dorothy could not tell what was happening. She could feel the pain. It was all around her and inside of her. She could hear panting and growling. A monster. As her vision returned, 
she saw a river of boiling blood flowing through a landscape of decimated skyscrapers and broken buildings. She was hobbled. Her legs hurt. They felt broken. She fought the pain and stood up. She looked behind her and saw a shadowy figure standing in the burning rubble of a large house. Through the refraction of the fire, it was difficult to make out. But she could tell it was big. What do you want from me? she screamed. The figure remained silent. Leave me alone! The monster stepped out of the flames. It became clear as it drew nearer to Dorothy. It had the head of a wolf and the mane of a lion. A large set of antlers protruded from the top of it. A smaller set jutted out from its lower jaw. Its eyes were as red as the river of blood. As it snarled, Dorothy could see its razor-sharp fangs. A white froth began dripping from its mouth. Its body was covered in scales that almost shimmered in the light of the building's flames. Between its legs was a large snake. It hissed as it retreated from view, slithering behind the monster and into its anus. A pair of wings slowly spread out from behind it, their feathers black and red. Behind it waved a long serpentine tail, at the end of which was a spear-like stinger. Dorothy turned and tried to run, dragging her right foot along the ground. She felt a sharp pain on her left side. Her rib. It felt worse than her leg. She looked down and noticed a swell of red seeping through the fabric of her shirt. She looked back once more. The monster was gone. As she turned to look forward, she was confronted by the creature. It stood inches away from her, towering over her, its blood-red eyes staring down and into her own emerald greens. What are you? Dorothy asked. I am fear. I am everything. I am hatred. I am anger. I am you. And you are me. We are fate. Dorothy stood motionless, silent. I will be with you forever. Our union will be divine. It said as it placed a cold, clammy hand gently to Dorothy's chin. Its head changed from that of a wolf to a man 
the antlers remained, though the lion's mane disappeared. I don't want this, Dorothy said quietly. Ash and burning embers fell from the sky as it opened above them. The remaining buildings crumbled as the ground began to shake. Dorothy looked up. Through the hole in the sky, she could see... Numbers. Nine. One. Three. When Dorothy awoke, she found herself completely naked. She slowly sat up and looked down at her stomach, where a large purple bruise had formed from Miles' knee. She had two matching bruises on her left and right rib cage, three hickeys on her right breast, two on her left, and both of her nipples were red and sore to the touch. It hurt her entire body to move even slightly. She slowly climbed out of the bed and gathered her clothing, which had been scattered all through the room. She looked at the clock. 9.13. She could not remember what time she started looking for Chad, but she knew it was after 9.30. Nearly 12 hours ago. How much of that time was spent by Miles raping her? No matter how long it was, it was too long. It would always be too long. Once she was dressed, she made her way downstairs where she found Miles. He had a black eye, and his nose looked a little off-center and swollen. He was slowly moving through the living room, placing trash in a large black garbage bag. Where's Chad? Dorothy asked. Miles winced. His head was throbbing from the previous night's activities. Even the soft, broken sound of Dorothy's voice drove a thousand pins and needles into his brain. Downstairs, Miles replied with a sneer on his face. Sure you don't want to go for a fourth round, though? I'm never too hungover to get off. As his disgusting voice wriggled its way into her ears. Dorothy became sick. She bent over as she felt the vomit coming up, burning its way through her throat. She turned away from the tiled kitchen floor to her right and made sure she did it on the carpet of the living room floor instead. Jesus, said Miles, in disgust and frustration. Dorothy heaved once more. This time she quickly stepped forward, making sure to get a different area of the carpet. As she wiped her mouth, Dorothy said nothing. She turned and left the room, making her way to the stairs leading to the basement. Chad was sprawled out on the couch when Dorothy found him. Soda cans and bottles littered the area around him. She looked at him for a minute. At this moment in time, he was the third most hated person in her life, 
Number one was herself, forever coming here in the first place. And number two was Miles. There was a space between the couch and the wall big enough for Dorothy to fit. She slowly slid behind, despite the pain that radiated from every joint. She crouched down and hooked her hands beneath it. She took a deep breath and with all her strength lifted it a few inches from the floor, enough to tip Chad out of it. Chad hit the ground with a loud thump. He quickly looked around the room with a few choice words prepared for the jackass that rolled him. He quickly decided against those choice words, however, when he saw Dorothy with her disheveled hair and puffy red eyes. A sense of guilt wrapped itself around him as he looked away from her. Jesus, Dorothy, he said in an attempt to lighten the mood. You look a little worse for wear. I want to go home, she said quietly and forcefully. Now! Dorothy sat in the back seat of Miles's car, quietly waiting to be returned to the library. At one point, her eyes met Miles in the rearview mirror. Sure are quiet this morning, Miles said with a snort and a sick laugh. <laughs> What's the matter? Don't like a good ride? Dorothy began to heave again. She hunched over. With her legs spread, head between her knees, she let loose once more. <sighs> Must be a pretty shitty fucking ride, she said, wiping her mouth with the back of her hand. So what now? asked Chad, as he and Dorothy stood in front of the library, watching Miles' car disappear around the corner. I'm going home, said Dorothy, without looking at her friend. She let out a small, whimpering sigh as she turned to walk away. Chad followed a few steps behind. Alone! said Dorothy without turning around, and without stopping. You live five miles out of town, said Chad. Are you sure you don't want my mom to give you a ride home? I said... Alone. <laughs>